Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have another ghost story from one of my listeners. And if you are new to the podcast and interested in sharing your own story, I do a segment once a month that is ghost stories, that's stories from you all, things that you've experienced that are mystical, magical, and just incredible experiences, and you want to have an opportunity to share them. So today's ghost story is called A Ghost Story of a Mother's Love. And I never read the ghost stories before I record them because I want you all to experience me experiencing the story just as you're experiencing the story. I think it often provides for a more authentic experience. So here we go. To start with a little background, my mother passed away in December 2010 after a year-long battle with lung and brain cancer. I'm thankful for the time we had to say our goodbyes and feel honored to have spent all the time I was able helping her through her hospice care. I held her hand as she took her last breath, and that experience will stay with me forever. Over the time since her passing, I have had a number of events occur that have shown me that she is still looking after me from wherever she is. A mother's heart is always connected to her children. Today, I want to focus on one. On July 3rd, 2019, as I was trying to go to sleep, I was scrolling through my phone like so many of us do to try to numb our brain to sleep. I I found myself on a fun news website, BuzzFeed. I came across a story about an artist who visually documented malls in America through the 1980s. Malls? 1980s? Yes, please. I clicked and casually looked at each photo. I laughed to myself at the hair, the clothing, the stores in the background. I love nostalgia. That was until I came across the photo. This photo made me audibly gasp so loudly that my husband sprung awake to make sure I was okay. I had lost my oldest brother unexpectedly the previous December, and he thought I was in the middle of a rough wave of grief from that. When he asked what was wrong, I was so choked up I literally could not speak. Tears streamed down my face. He embraced me until I calmed down and gave him my phone. Who posted a picture of your mom, he said. I was finally able to respond. Some artist. This isn't Facebook. This is some random story of BuzzFeed. We both marveled at the image. 
Could it be? You have to know a little something about my mother. She never wanted her picture taken. Her duck and roll were notorious when the camera was around. So much so that when she passed away in 2010 and I wanted to place different pictures of her on the table at the memorial reception, we had a hard time getting enough to pull it off. There were a handful of candid shots where she was unaware in the background. There are a small handful where she posed with us kids during events because she had to. There are just so few images of my mother out there. I immediately copied the mall picture and sent it to my father, my brothers, her sister, her best friend, and my best friend from childhood with no description. The next morning, I awoke to messages from each asking where I found that picture of Charlene. Charlene, who didn't let pictures be taken of her, and who didn't shop. Ha! Her body, her face, her hair, her clothing, her watch, her purse. Everything about this picture was my mother. Also of note, the girl next to my mother looks strikingly like me, as about half the group pointed out. My head is turned away completely, but my mile-high wave bangs the Hard Rock Cafe shirt, the bunched white socks, the way I stood, me in the late 1980s. I sought out the artist. He had at one time done crowdfunding to publish these items in a book. And I emailed him to ask him when and where the picture was taken. I continued through the day not thinking about the picture much. We were out late watching 4th of July fireworks. When I came back in got the kids in bed, and settled into my normal before bedtime routine. I checked my emails to see if the artist had responded. The image was from a mall in South Carolina. He remembered specifically because the flooring is rather unique, and it was his hometown mall. I called my dad to confirm. We had never visited South Carolina. We laughed about how much this was my mother and wondered if the rest of this woman's life, who could not be my mother, but instead a doppelganger, mirrored my mother. Did she have the same habits, same mannerisms? How many children did she have? Was her husband also a match for my father? In retrospect, this was a sign from my mother. And in a very short span of time, it would become apparent why she made herself known. On Friday, July 5th, my cousin, my mother's sister's youngest, lost control of his car while driving home from work. He crossed the line, overcorrected into a ditch, overcorrected across traffic and into a culvert. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and the off-duty police officer and off-duty fireman who happened to see the accident could do nothing to save him. He was gone. The funeral was planned for Saturday, July 20th because of a pending mandatory autopsy and to have the funeral fall on a Saturday per my uncle's request. My family and I made plans to travel into town and celebrate my cousin's life. We lamented about the picture being a sign from my mother that she was there to help my cousin transition from this life to the next. On July 15th, I got a call from my father. 
Traveling from out of state, I answered thinking he wanted to talk logistics of the trip. Instead, he was calling to tell me that he was being admitted to the hospital with some trouble breathing. He had had two lung lobes removed in 2009 and had spent the past 10 years living his best life despite his limitations. I moved up my day to leave for Kansas City for my cousin's funeral so that I could be at the hospital to be with my father. We braced for an open heart procedure only to have the surgery get called off. When I got there, I learned my father had AML, a really aggressive type of leukemia. Unfortunately, due to his other limitations, there would not be treatment available and this diagnosis would be terminal. It took some convincing, but we were able to talk to his medical team into letting us do hospice care at home. Instead of attending my cousin's funeral, I spent Saturday morning preparing my father's home for home hospice care, accepting the deliveries of all the equipment needed to make this work, rearranging the house to accommodate all the extra items, making beds for all the guests traveling into town. At about 1 p.m., the ambulance brought my father home, placed him into his hospital bed, and we started his care. Over the next week, we sat vigil, making sure my father was as comfortable as possible. We were able to arrange for every child and grandchild to make it into town to see him. All of his siblings, close family friends, and even his best friends from grade school were able to say their goodbyes. We brought him any food or drink he requested at every point he asked, even though we knew he would only be able to have a bite or two. He hadn't been able to drink orange juice, a favorite, for many years due to other health issues. He asked for juice and we got it. He asked for vodka to make it into a screwdriver. We got it. It was a f week full of grief, some laughs, and a whole lot of love. Fridays were my father's lucky day. He got discharged from Vietnam on a Friday. He married my mother on a Friday. He married his second wife after my mother passed on a Friday. I held his hand as he took his last breaths in the early morning hours on Friday, July 26th, and that experience will stay with me forever. There is no doubt in my mind he waited for his lucky Friday. I also have no doubt that the photo of my mother was her way of letting us know that she was here and was part of all the events that happened in July 2019. It was her way of saying that everything would be all okay, providing us with some much-needed comfort in the only way a mother's heart can do. So thank you so much for sharing your story. And I just, first of all, I'm honestly floored by how well everybody who submitted stories writes and how how beautifully they share their stories so I hope that I do justice to your story and if you are interested please send me an email at dramyrobbins at gmail.com if you want to submit your ghost story I would love to read it for my listeners as I think we all are comforted by the words of our and the experiences of our loved ones who continue to connect with us, even though they are no longer here in a physical body.